0: Thank you. God is good. God is good. And today, I'm so excited uh, to just share with you as we walk through the book of Acts. uh, And we are on part two from last Sunday's message on the testimony. We launched the testimony. And today, we get to hear and see what Stephen shared. And and because it's 53 verses, chapter 7, verse uh, 1 through I believe 53 that we will be looking at today. I am not going to read uh, all of those uh, verses, but uh, that is what we are covering Today, and I believe that, uh, yes, Acts chapter 7, uh, verse 1 through 53, and if you have your Acts journal, I invite you to open it up to chapter 7 and begin, get ready to take some notes because I think that God wants to speak to us today. Are you good to hear from the Lord today? I I pray that these uh, words as I speak them are not from my heart, but they are from from the Lord. and, And allow the Holy Spirit just to take the words that are spoken and apply to our own hearts and our own lives today. And so we see here Stephen gets called in front of, and he's standing before the Sanhedrin, and he's sharing, and I want you to know this too today. Today's message is is a lot of teaching that we learn from uh, Stephen. Stephen lays out one of the most eloquent, incredible, spontaneous messages in the Word of God. It is the longest sermon in Acts, and we are going to cover it in a few moments here, there is so much to this incredibly eloquent message. And the man had incredible wisdom as he began to talk and share and lay out everything that the Lord has. Now, I don't know, I've never been in this situation facing death, And and maybe if you've had a near-death experience, I've heard people say all of a sudden they saw their life flash before their eyes. There was incredible clarity. So I don't know if Stephen, knowing what had happened to Jesus and what was about to possibly happen to him, if he had an incredible moment of clarity to share the Word of God. And to share this message with the Sanhedrin. And as he had this moment, I know this, that it was not just his wisdom, but it was by the power of the Holy Spirit that was resting upon him. Church, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to be resting upon us in today's world that we live in. We need his wisdom, we need his grace, we need him. And, and here Stephen was charged with speaking against Moses. He was charged with speaking against God. He was charged with speaking against the temple. and all the servants that were, were throughout, he, he, he uh, in that moment had this charge against him because he was speaking of all the, against the they said of all the customs of their people and all their traditions and all the things that they were and here it's an incredible picture as he begins to share with the sanhedrin this message that he begins to to preach to them uh it begins to deal with the historical things that took place in israel and it dealt with israel's history of rebellion against god and an ending that indicts his listeners of the very charges that they were bringing against him. Think about this. He is in court, and they are accusing him of doing something. And by the end of his message, he is accusing them of what they are accusing him of. How many of you know that probably isn't going to go very well? Have you ever been in an argument and you try to turn the tables or, or the tables get turned on you and, and the very thing that you are trying to convey, they're now accusing you of. And all of a sudden we see him in a very eloquent way, powerful way. Say, wait a minute, the very things you're accusing me of, let me show you the error in your thinking, the error in your ways. They were bringing charges and the tables were getting turned. They were guilty themselves of rejecting Moses and the law. And even worse, they had killed the righteous one who they had sent for their salvation. So here's the theme of Stephen's message as it points to two things. It points to the sovereign Abundant grace of God towards you and towards me. How many of you are thankful for his abundant grace in our lives? Stephen points to the sovereign abundant grace towards rebellious sinners. You said amen, so that means you're a rebellious sinner. Gotcha. Just kidding. Secondly, he points to the danger of hardening our hearts towards the very grace that God gives. And in this message, he begins to show them how God's sovereign, abundant grace was so readily available for those who were against him. And it also warns us today of hardening our hearts towards that, that grace that God gives in our hearts and in our lives Rather than working through this message in detail, there's just no way I could cover all 53 verses in in this moment. I want you to know that we're going to take a look at Stephen's message to the Sanhedrin. And I really want to pull out a few things that will help us today as we walk through the day and age that we are living in. Why would he focus on history when he's standing before them facing these accusations Why would he begin to focus on Israel's history? The first thing that we see that he does and really brings to light for you and I, and if you're taking notes, you're going to want to write a couple of these down just to hold on to them, to think through them. If you're on the church app, you can do that digitally. You can then email those notes to yourself. Uh, It's a beautiful thing, but we see this. We see that Israel's history displays God's sovereign and abundant grace. The sovereign and abundant grace is literally displayed throughout the history that Stephen begins to unfold before the Sanhedrin. He began, he talks uh, uh, clearly, very clearly, begins to share story after story. He talks about his grace being poured out upon his people. He begins by calling out Abraham. The nation of Israel itself owes its very existence because God called Abraham. And of course, Abraham, through his offspring, would literally begin to populate the world and the descendants. And we understand that. We know the the story of the land of Canaan. He also shares about Joseph that in spite of his brother's best attempts to take his life and to sell him into slavery, that it was actually God's abundant grace in his life which took him there so that he would be in a position to save God's people. His grace and his mercy didn't come probably the way he thought it was going to come in his life. It came through hardship. It came through difficulty. It came from being thrown into the pit. It came from going through difficult days and hardships. If you have ever gone through a hardship, understand and know this. God's got his hand on your life. He is leading you. He is guiding you. And he has abundant grace to help us through the most difficult times. His grace is powerful as this moment approaches for Abraham. As he he he, he understands the story and he begins to talk about Moses and Abraham. And Moses was born at a time that Pharaoh declared death to all the Jewish infants. Why would God do that? Why would he, he uh, offer up the deliverer in a moment when they were all going to be killed? God's hand sovereignly protects the infant. He goes to Pharaoh's daughter. He grows up. He learns the Egyptian way. He learns all of their, their things. He learns their language. He begins to think like them. He knows them. And he's now in a unique position. Hello? Hello? wow God's grace and his mercy to deliver Israel from slavery Stephen makes the point that the same Moses who Israel had first rejected was the very man that God used to set them free and then he says also in the same manner you rejected Jesus and he has come to set us free did you know that if you and I reject Jesus, it does not stop his plan. His plan, his purpose, everything that he knows, he holds this world in its hands and God will perform. But I would contend that I would prefer to be on his side. I wanna be on his team not on the losing team. I don't like to lose. How many of you in here like to lose? We got, I got a problem with you. <laughs> I like to win. I want to win. I like to play sports. I'm very competitive. I was competitive with our children. I would not let them win. Tony Lee, can, can you just take it easy on them? No. I want them to earn it, and when they do beat me, oh, I'm going to celebrate, and I'm going to tell them how awesome they are and how incredible they are. I wasn't that bad, honestly. Tony's nodding her head. Yes, you were. Because I wanted our children to understand and to know and to grow and to develop. and, And many times we grow and we develop by losing. We grow and develop by learning how to win. We grow and develop by overcoming adversity and all the difficult things that happen in our life. Great things come from adversity. And when you experience adversity, when you experience loss, when you experience difficulty, God's mercy and grace is so abundant that he takes us in those moments of pain. He picks us up, he brushes us off, and he helps us to move forward in hope, in victory, and he teaches us that we are victorious. And it's not in our own strength, but it's in him that we are victorious. In spite of God's sovereign, abundant grace, Israel rebels against God and his servant Moses. They turned back to Egypt in their hearts, and they worshiped a golden calf. God gave the nation up to idolatry so that later they worshipped false gods, the false gods of Canaan. Even so, in his grace, he had given them the tabernacle and later the temple as a place where they could meet with him. Although Stephen reminds them by quoting Isaiah 66, verse 1 and 2, he quotes that in this message. He tells them that God is not made, bound, excuse me, God is not bound, By a man-made dwelling, since he made all things. Therefore, through his message, Stephen emphasizes that God's sovereign, abundant grace is shown to the nation of Israel in spite of their repeated sins. How many of you in the room today have repeated a few sins? Oh, you can, yeah. You don't have to be shy about it we all know we all know we're not hiding anything from anybody come on can we be real here the nation of israel repeated their sins and god continued to show his grace and his mercy, and send someone to deliver them, and send someone to set them free. I want you to know how many times have you and I repeated a sin, stumbled and fell, and God's grace was always there. His hand was always reaching down. He was always lifting us up. He was always bringing something out of us that we might not have even seen in ourselves. The second thing that we see is Israel's history Reveals their own stubborn, rebellious tendency to reject God's gracious dealings with them. And, and woe to us who cast the first stone, because that's exactly what we were just talking about. How many times have we done the very same thing? God, help us to repent. Help us to be a people who experience and understand and know your word and your hope and all of the things that you are to us. God, we pray that you would give us wisdom. Listen to this. The repeated pattern of the nation was to reject the deliverers whom God had sent them. Joseph's brother at first wickedly rejected him. He, he, he rejected him, but later he found them. The, their brothers rejected him in the dream that he had. But later he became their very savior. Israel in slavery to Egypt at first rejected Moses as their deliverer, but he was the very man God raised up to deliver them. The parallel here we see that Stephen brings out to the men that he is speaking to is that they too had rejected the Savior of the world and that God had sent the Messiah as a Savior to them, but they couldn't see it and they rejected it. And literally we know that that was not going to stop him from anything. Just like Moses' brothers and Israel under Moses, God was offering them a chance again to repent and to follow Jesus. He offers them a chance. This wasn't the first time they heard it. This was the third time this ruling council heard that Jesus had come to save them. Not once, not twice, not three times. Come on, how many of us are a little slow too? right? Lord, just send me a letter in the mail. Make it so clear. He's like, I did. I sent you someone. I, I've, I've done that. I'm, I'm sending you message after message, hint after hint, time after time. I, I shared this joke before. It just kind of hit me right now. Not in my notes. It gets scary when I do that. It's like the, the guy who's Christmas shopping and the the, the, the parking lot is absolutely packed and it's snowing. It's like a blizzard out. And he just prays, Lord, if you will give me a good parking spot, I promise I will begin to boom, boom, boom. I'll attend church. I'll start giving. I'll start doing all these things. Lord, if you could just help me find a great parking spot. And just as he finished speaking, all of a sudden, right in the very front row, the best parking lot, the best parking spot, in the entire parking lot opens up. The, the man backs out right in front of him, and he pulls away, and as he's pulling in, he says, never mind, God, I found one. <laughs> never mind, I, I, I got it this time. I'll, I'll call on you next time. Come on, isn't that kind of how we are sometimes? Lord, help us we turn our hearts towards you, to look towards you, and, and to know that every good thing in our life comes from you. It's not by our own strength. It's not by our own hand. It's not by our own might. Every skill, every ability that we have was given to us by the hand of God, and he has given us all of these incredible things, and we learn this from Stephen as he's talking to them, that, that God has made a way, and it's his grace and his mercy we see thirdly through Israel's history it shows a pattern of them limiting worship to a sacred place rather to a sacred person who created all things the Jews here in Stephen's day were fiercely loyal to their land to Jerusalem to the temple it was the center of worshiping God and so In his message, Stephen repeatedly shows that God historically had revealed himself to his servants in other places, in even Gentile territory. He called Abraham in the land of Mesopotamia. He called him outside of a temple experience. He also revealed to him that Moses was spoken to after he was 40 years on the backside of a desert. He spoke to him through a burning bush. And the Bible says that that place was holy. Why was it holy? Because God was there. Where he is, is holy. Stephen brings up the tabernacle and the temple. He talks about them. Stephen here is not despising the temple, but challenging the mindset that this was the only place that you could worship or hear God. They boasted in many times that the temple gave them special access to God in spite of their wicked behavior. Stephen is showing them that the main issue is not the place where they worship, but it's that their hearts Be right before the Lord. The Jews in Jeremiah's day had done the same thing through the prophet. God said in Jeremiah 7, 9 through 10, it says this. Will you steal, murder, and commit adultery? And swear falsely and offer sacrifices to Baal, and walk after other gods that you have not known, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered, that you may do all of these abominations. They thought that having the temple gave them special privileges with God. That no matter how corrupt their behavior or what they were doing, they had an in with him through the temple, uh, as it were. They thought that worship at the temple gave them a special blessing on their life and all of these things. And here we see it's repeated time and time again through this chapter. Stephen talks about things done by their hands. Everyone look at your hands they're amazing they're miraculous they're 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 created and 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 what God gives us the ability to do with these our hands to grab to pick up to carry to lift to work to make a living to do all of these things by our hands and stephen talks to them about the work of their hands and and how powerful that is but he mentions that also by their hands they created a golden image. They created a golden calf that Israel continued to, to, to marvel at the work of their own hands. Stephen declares this, however, the Most High does not dwell in houses made by human hands. Here, God declares it was not, uh, it was, was it not, this is God declaring, was it not my hand which made these things? Stephen's point is this, men can build idols with their hands, even temples that they mistakenly think that God will dwell in, but the most high God and the creator of the universe is not limited by man-made objects. Whether we worship in a beautiful sanctuary, in a beautiful church, or we worship in our car or at home, God's power God's anointing God is Holy Spirit dwells in this temple and you are his wherever you go wherever you walk wherever you uh, uh, find yourself I want you to know that you are the temple of God yes. God's sovereign grace is continually shown over and over to rebellious sinners but we see here that we also, have to be careful of limiting our worship to moments like this. I think that God wants us to experience His presence everywhere we go. So, how do we do that? How do we walk in this? How do we take Stephen's message and say, what do I do with that? How can I walk with this this week? I want to share with you the first thing that we need to understand. We need to understand, or we should understand, that God's abundant grace and mercy is towards sinners. Our mindset needs to be that this world, He is still out to reconcile people to Him. I'm glad that you are here today. I am so thrilled that you are in God's house. Did you know that each and every one of us probably know 10 to 20 to 50 people who need to hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ? We need to understand that God, in His mercy, in His grace, Wants to use you and I to be a voice and a mouthpiece to the world. As I mentioned earlier, this is the third time that this was shared with them. All of us who have experienced God's salvation know this. We know God's salvation came to us in spite of, not because of, anything that we did. It's in spite of what we did. It's because of his nature. Because of who he is. It's not because I earned it, because I cleaned myself up, because I got myself straight, because I got myself right, because I did this and I did this. Now God can accept me. He accepts us just as we are, but he loves us so much that he's not willing to leave us where he found us. He begins this incredible journey that we walk on to become more like Christ. More like who he is. So I urge you today, in the words of Stephen, that we would understand his grace and his mercy upon us. The second thing that you and I need to do is we should guard against presuming on God's grace by falling into a pattern of sin ourselves. God does not want us to fall into a pattern of sin because we know his grace is sufficient, because we know his grace is is able, because we know that his grace will wash and cover us. That does not give us license to just do whatever we want to do. It's a huge misunderstanding and misapplication of God's grace to presume that we can just continue to go on sinning and keep on claiming his grace. Listen to these four awesome verses. Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through 2 says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace might increase? May it never be. In Jude, verse 4, it says ungodly people who turn the grace of our God into license for immorality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Also, he tells us in uh, this verse, Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 12, Paul shows us the proper response to God's grace. He says that it instructs us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live sensibly. Ooh, that's a tough word right there. Sensibly. Hmm. Righteously and godly in the present age. Lord, help us deny ungodliness worldly desires may we your people live sensibly righteously and godly in this present age I pray that there's something inside of you that stirs when you hear that verse Lord how many times have we Just gone about our business and our lives, and somehow we add you to our lives instead of allowing you to lead us through these lives. We are but a mist, but a vapor. This is momentary. Do you know that? This is, I am learning this more and more. I am 52 years old, I am 52 years young. And I don't understand how it's happening, but time is flying. I can't believe how fast time goes today. I was in high school forever. (laughs) Ever, it would not end. And now a decade is gone just like that. What what just happened? How did I get 50? I'm going to turn around. I'm going to be 60 tomorrow. Eight years from tomorrow, but I'll get there. (laughs) Time begins to fly and we begin to go about our lives. And the next thing we know, we've just gone through the motions and lived our lives. Stephen is telling us in this message that we should guard against going through the outward motions. Number three of worship when our hearts are far from God. We can't go through the motions of living this Christian life. We can't go through the motions of living a life of worship. We need to go and become so close to Jesus Christ and allow His heart to be in our heart so that we walk in Him, live in Him, abide in Him, that we experience all that He is. Too many times I think we all of a sudden as church, doing church, we can walk through those doors and we know just what to say, who to say hi to, find our seat. Oh no, someone's in our seat. Where are we going to sit this week? I don't know what to do. I might have to go sit across the aisle, but I don't want to. Maybe during the greeting time, we can just sneak right in and get our seats back. And we have a ritual that we go through to come to church. I want you to know that there is nothing about a relationship with Jesus that is ritual. We need to walk in, walk out, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Because the real work starts when we walk out of those doors. So God, help us to be a voice to the nation. Help us to impact someone's day. Help me just to smile and let someone know that there is someone out here near them that cares for them, that loves them, and somehow we can share the love of Jesus with them. Number four, our last point. We should imitate Stephen by being more concerned about our witness to the truth than about our own protection. Stephen, in the last two verses here, he shared history, history, history. And in the last couple of verses, he took that history and he made a charge to those who were charging him. He brought the truth and the matter that was taking place. And he, he brought them and he laid it at their feet. He said, you have claimed that I have spoken against Moses, against uh, this temple, against our customs. But it's you who have spoken against our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's you who have done these things. And here in this moment, he, he understands the moment. And his life is in the balance And he was more concerned about being a witness of the truth than he was his own protection. That right there is not the American way. That is not the American way. You want to know what the American way is? I have rights. I have rights. I'm an American. I understand that. I love our rights. I love the fact that you and I have the right to gather and to worship the name of Jesus, that we have freedom to do so, that we have freedom and the right to serve our God in the manner to which we, to say, are those rights being impeded? Are they under attack? They have been since Jesus Christ walked the earth. It's nothing new. He said that we will always encounter persecution and trial, but that he would be with us. I don't know about you, that makes me rejoice. He is with us. He is with you. Whatever difficulty you're experiencing, whatever you see is taking place, know this, that our God is with you. And though it may cost us in the days to come, I believe that it is time for His church and His people to stand and to speak and to share and to be more concerned about his truth, oh, now we're getting somewhere, hold on. Not your truth, his truth. We have to declare his truth, not what we believe is true, what I think should happen, this is what I feel. We need to keep our eyes fixed on this word, and may it penetrate our hearts and our lives because this is the only thing that we have as a guide. This is a guidebook, it's our source book, it is our source for living. Everything you need to make it through this life is found in this book. All we have to do is dive in to read it. Stephen, he does defend himself, he shows that. He calls their attention. With incredible tact, he continually said something. He refers to our fathers. Our fathers. Our fathers. All through his message, our fathers. I'm with you. We are. And then at the end, he changes it. And he says, your fathers. Your fathers. He isn't speaking in generalities any longer. He is very pinpointed and he looks at them and he declares and he connects their own behavior to what is taking place at that time. He warns them. To feel the the weight of their terrible sin and murdering of Jesus. Only when they have been convicted in this moment that their hearts would understand the weight and the gravity of what they have done. And I believe that while you and I should always act with tact, with grace, with mercy, with forgiveness, we can never ever water down the truth of God's Word. So many times we back off from the hard aspects of the gospel because we want people to think well of us. My question is, have we proclaimed the gospel if we avoid subjects like sin, righteousness, judgment, As a nation we're going to walk through a whole lot more difficult decisions in the days to come than what we have encountered over the last week or two with the landmark decisions that have come down i want you to know this message was planned out a year ago i had no idea that this would be taking place this week when i prepared this message and this plan we have the services plan from today all the way through the end of next July we know what is going to be taught and what will be preached you can't make this stuff up anybody else say whoa we're living in a world that needs our voice to be a voice of love and compassion and hope but also to be a voice that stands for truth and justice and forgiveness because I know that there are people who are carrying the weight of decisions, not just this decision that we, we, we heard about this week because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, we have all carried the weight. Come on, how many of you have carried the weight of sin in your life and it's no fun? Something happens when we lay it down and we give it to him. And so Stephen gives us this incredible opportunity here to ask ourselves a couple of questions and then we're going to pray. It is very easy, I think, for us to become outward ritual focused and go through the motions without getting our hearts right before God. Paul even warned us to First, judge ourselves before God, before we judge anyone else. We should examine our own hearts. We should make sure that our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, you know what he tells us to do as believers? We should be the ones who are quick to confess our sins. Confess the things that we give. David, I think we need to pray as David prayed. In Psalm 139, he said this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there will be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Have you ever asked yourself or prayed that prayer, Lord, search my heart. If there is anything inside of me that has a wrong motive, that is impure, Lord, search it and, and weed it out. God, I would rather you weed it out here privately than it to be weeded out publicly before all family and friends. Hello? Wouldn't it be better to handle that privately with the Lord? Say, God, do some, some weeding in my life. Do some weeding in my heart. Search me, O oh God. Have we pushed God's grace and patience to the limits? Has there ever been a time that he has withheld his grace and his mercy from you when you asked him? When you asked him to forgive you, has he ever withheld it from you? Have we somehow presumed upon God's grace in our lives and we go on living like we live because we know that his grace will cover over it, he'll wash over it? I just keep asking forgiveness, but I keep living the way I want to live. I believe it's time that we say, God, search me my heart. Take every hidden thing in me. May it, may it, even though it's painful, God help me to live with you. May we not presume upon God's grace any longer. Let us not stay living in sin. How can we guard against an outward Christianity, but keep our hearts genuinely close to God. Stephen's message was a powerful message. It is hailed as a masterpiece. It is an incredible message, and he had no notes. That's a miracle to me. My brain, I can't do... He rattled off history and lesson after lesson and he shared all of this stuff and then he brought it home to say, have you rejected Jesus in any area of your life? And I ask you here this morning, have you rejected Jesus in any area of your life today? would be a great day to give him every area of your life. Anybody say amen to that? Anybody here today say, Pastor Kurt, got some areas in my life that today is a day I want to give to him. I'm going to close this service in prayer. If you would like me to include you in that prayer. Every head bowed and every eye closed today. If you're here in this room and you say, Pastor Kurt, pray for me. I want him to have this area of my life. Yeah, hands are already going up. If that's you, just slip your hand. Just lift it all across this room. It's between you and the Lord. It's between you and the Lord. I I, I just want you to know that this is between you and Him today, and He's got a plan and a purpose. And today would be a great day to give Him every area of your heart and of your life that we would never presume upon His grace. That at this moment, just like Stephen who asked that question, today, Lord, we stand in honesty and integrity, and we ask you, Lord, to take these areas that that you would wash them clean that you would make us whole that you would deliver us that you would set us free and make us lord a brand new heart creation, Lord, we know that you have saved us, you've set us free, you've delivered us. Today, Lord, we ask you to clean these areas and make our hearts pure before you, even now with our hands lifted high. Lord, we say, search us, oh God, because maybe there's even more, Lord, that you would reveal to us today to walk in your goodness, in your hope, in your mercy, In Jesus' name, and everyone here today said, Would you stand with me all across this sanctuary? Come on, would you stand with me? Would you just sing this song as our worship team leads us? Can we just declare together here today that He is worthy of it all? And let's give it all to Him as we worship Him in this song today.